What's up, guys? You are listening to the Beat London on a 3.6 FM with me, Bashak. On this week's show, we have Jonathan Nannan with us. Jonathan is a photographer, director, and curator who has worked with some of the biggest and best artists to date. If there's an image in your mind of, say, Jay-Z, best believe Jonathan has probably created it. How are you doing, sir? Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, wonderful to be here, live from Los Angeles, California at the moment. Yes, I can All see you well. right now, and you look sunny and just radiant, radiant where you are, so uh, much better than our great... radiate everywhere I go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So I guess on my first question, when I sat down to kind of write this interview, I just want to ask you, your collection is so serious and you've helped shape the public personas of so many of pop culture's just biggest names and give them give them their image almost from you know Jay-Z, Eminem, Aaliyah, just to name a few a few names which are big names. How does it feel? I don't know if anyone asks you that, but how does it feel 20 years in? Um do you wake up and feel like P. Diddy? Because I would. I uh well, thank you. For, it's yeah. a very kind compliment. Very generous words. Thank you so much. Um, it feels pretty incredible, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's but it's it's not a, like a sense of ownership of mm. them. I know that I've I've created these images. I've worked with these artists. I've had these brilliant opportunities. But you know, in a way, it's like you take the photos and then you set them free. You know, they become part of the public consciousness. So, like, mm-hmm. I know that there's a root and an importance of the actual moments and the dedication, perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, the talent needed to create these images that were of a level that mm-hmm. um, are defining, you know, and or do help to define who these artists are or would like to be. You know, mm-hmm. so that's a really important sort of uh, component to these images is they're not just regular. These are deeply... Uh, you know, immersive moments, meaningful, you know, sort of documentation of individual split seconds in time that align with a beautiful musical project, you know, which is why obviously we really love the artist. First and foremost, it's led by the music, which brought me into wanting to create with these artists. So, you know, sort of a long-winded way of saying it's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm honored. Um, to have been chosen as the visual sort of artist to bring these things to life. Um, And, uh, you know, this saga continues and now kind of it's about storytelling. Like people want to know what it felt like to be in the room with these people. And that's Mm -hmm. the big goal for me right now is to share those moments. Wow. Really beautiful what you just said, I think, around releasing the pictures into public consciousness. I think it's so much of that. And also the weight of what these images mean to the public cannot be quantified, which makes you even greater in my mind because of the moment in time that you translate um, between maybe an unknown artist becoming that and becoming that persona and stepping into their greatness, where perhaps Mm. maybe they were not that. So really beautiful. Um, Yeah. when When you first started out, what then drew you to... Obviously, hip hop and music and all of that is so beautiful. But what do you do to people? Because you could have been the go-to guy for landscape photography, right? That exists, and that's beautiful as well. What What was it about portraits for you? And more to the point, when did you know? Okay, I'm really contributing to a piece of musical history, and I'm actually documenting things. How long in that journey did it take you? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's two questions there in, in mm. a way, mm. you know, the, why did I choose portraiture versus any other sort of like, you know, discipline within photography, you know, of which there are, there are many, you know? Mm. Um, you know, I think, let, let's begin there. So I had an incredible opportunity to work with arguably the greatest portrait photographer to ever touch a camera, a gentleman named Richard Avedon. That was my first job out of school and got to witness him photographing Naomi Campbell and Christy Turlington and like supermodel after supermodel um, for Versace campaigns, Pirelli calendars, like the biggest jobs that were being done in the world mm. were being done by him. And I got to witness kind of the process, wow. you know, and I realized that it was about communication, you know, and I'm a psychology major. I love what makes people tick and what makes them go. And I think it's also what makes me kind of a different photographer than maybe another person would be because I want to really get to the core and the heart of who somebody is, you know, you know, I, I won't sort of be so corny as to say the eyes are the window to the soul and I go through the eyes and into the heart and, the, you know, it's, but that's kind of the gist of it. You know, you do want an authentic representation of these artists. And I think that's why my pictures connect because they're really real and they're pure and honest, you know, whatever, range of emotion I get to pull out of somebody is because of the effort during that exchange, mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I love. Like, I, I also love moments of peace. You know, I, uh, when I was in college, I was photographing, you know, barns in the Midwest of, of the United States. And to me, that was like meditation though. You know, that was sort of like driving, which I love to drive through country roads and winding turns. And then you'd stop and something would cap capture your eye jump out, have a moment, document it back in the car, movement, you know? So like, there's something about that process that I also loved. Um, but obviously people want to know what these major, major artists are like. And mm -hmm. I think the privilege that I um, experienced sort of early on in New York City of working with these artists was what drew me in. Like, wow, I really have an opportunity to spend time with these artists that I love, admire, appreciate, respect. Um, and I get to be really, really close to them in order to define who they are, again, in, in the public eye. Like I get to bring others clo as close as I was to Jay-Z or Red Man or Method Man or all of Wu-Tang or whatever to, to show them kind of what it felt like. Here's what it feels like to be three feet away from wow. these artists you know so, so cool really cool it's so, you know, so i think that that sort of kind of touches on on both of it but it's it was really my love for hip-hop that led me to photograph these artists because i easily could have been a fashion photographer and gone that way mm -hmm. but i decided instead like okay chase this make this yours and you're in it and of it and live it and go for it and see what happens mm -hmm. and i also feel like every later here's where i am <laughs> yes, I often feel like our life's work finds us and I think you were so aptly positioned working with Richard and and him working under him and learning his the craft through him mm -hmm. to be in this moment in time maybe in New York to, to have your eyes opened and go wow there's a whole new world that maybe not everybody else has translated yet because it's a completely new mm -hmm. thing until you do it and it's so beautiful yeah. uh, that you're one of the first people I think that have done it so well but also have done it at all and being able to uh, put this kind of persona to light 
for all of us to enjoy. So, you know, really, really cool. Well, there definitely weren't a lot of photographers in the moment, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you think about photography now, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's a photographer, everybody has an Instagram page, everybody's doing it, shooting it, spending time with ASAP Rocky and Ferg and, you know, Lil Uzi Vert and everybody that's doing anything these days. Like there are like, clusters of photographers that swarm around these people at all times back then there was probably five of us that were really sort of important in kind of making um shaping you know, that sort of documents mm -hmm. you know because you had to like fight your way in a club and it, and you'd come home smelling like blunt smoke at four in the morning after seeing you know biggie and deep brooklyn and you know what i mean like you kind of had to fight to be part of this and me sort of coming from the Midwest and not living in New York City, I felt like I had to be seen twice as much as everybody else. So I chased this relentlessly. But I think that that also showed the artists that my heart was really in it and I was dedicated and it meant a lot to me um, to create these images and to spend this time. And it was genuine at all times. You know, people were like, you're my guy, you know, like heavy D rest of soul was like you know what you're going to be my eyes and you're going to help me define this thing because i trust you and i believe in you and let's go and i think anybody that's ever remained loyal to me during certain moments in time you know like 10 years with jay-z mm -hmm. 10 years with Eminem, the game you know big boy from outcast you know and I'm outcast in general like these are incredible people to say like i helped to define who they were because they are the leading voices of this entire movement that people emulate their entire lives around. A musical artist, you said, they did it, I want to be them or the next them or my own version of them. Yeah. And, and it's a soundtrack yeah. to a lot of people's Phenomenal. lives. And then you're the leading art, which is beautiful. So it's such an amazing um, position, I think, for you to be in. And, and to that point, I guess when you did realize maybe that you were a part of something bigger, I just want to know, like, what does that pressure feel like? Because the art form you're dealing with is very fleeting in terms of the moments you need to capture. So you might have this moment that goes, okay, well, my overarching mission is to document history and document these moments authentically yeah. with genuine connection and tell the truth through this art form. But actually like, the moments in the documentation, they, they, they go in a split second. So in moments like, you know, B.I.G. At, at the Palladium, for example, and you know, like, okay, this is a once in a lifetime situation. Did you know that? And, and how did you handle the pressure put on you as the sole vessel for which those things need to travel? Well, here's the deal. If I actually probably thought about that, I might have felt pressure, but in the moment, like you don't know that you're really creating this level of of imagery sure. i think at the moment like you're putting your heart into it like you know it's your best effort you leave it all on the field you know and like you do your best at all times you know and i think that's that's part of it but you know i don't think you know looking back i realized how important it was to be clear and present and documenting and really like clearly viewing the room in order to kind of create these, these special moments. But but I don't think there was an understanding of like, I just got the most legendary picture that's, that'll ever be created in 96. You're not having these conversations and dialogues with yourself, you know? And I think that if you ask any sort of like group of artists and artists do define times, but if you ask Basquiat if he was alive, like, hey man, what did that feel like making these like million dollar pieces? He'd be like, 
I don't know. I was just painting. I found a stick and it had some, you know, horse hairs on the end and I slapped some stuff. I made this crown. I don't know. It was like a crown. I don't know. That's how I saw it. You know, no one's like, I just made a crown that will stand forever as like, oh, that's the Basquiat crown. Right. You know, like you it's, it's it. totally a different vibe. You're just in it. And I think once you're really present for yourself and engaged with the people around you, that's what will allow you 10, 20, 30 years from now for those moments to be memorable in anything that you do, in conversations. And I mean, it's specifically speaking about artists, artists creating these bodies of work. It's mm -hmm. look back throughout history. Mm -hmm. You know, Picasso's blue period. It was a moment in time that he yeah. said, I'm here and I'm present and this is my thing. And I'm making these things relentlessly, pushing everybody away to clear that lane. And some artists go to the extreme and some artists just create and dabble and spit it out. And sometimes it works, but you know, the ones that really invest their lives into this, you know. Beautifully put. Amazing. And actually, it's a really good dynamic you've brought up there with time. And I was thinking about this because I think you as a creative have the most powerful, most curious relationship with time. And I, and I wanted to kind of form it to you this way around. Uh, in my mind, when I think of the process that you engage in, you're kind of like a winemaker. Mm. You, you have kind of like that? <laughs> red or white, right? Um, you have almost red for me. Red or red. Uh, you have these kind of different aging barrels that you can tap into, yeah. but they have to, you know, mature and they have to ferment and they have to go through the process of that to become the really great reds that we love and want to drink. But you have to let it sit for a minute. And that's a really no, 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 interesting I... life form to, to live actively because you're right you don't know in the moment and it's only when you let it breathe a little bit that other people tell you and you tell yourself and oh da, 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 and it becomes great um do you think that's a fair enough analogy i mean i think it's beautiful i think it's a beautiful analogy because they do and, and i have said it before not quite in that same way and not with the almost connection and power that it kind of takes on in this conversation. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, my image has to age. It's sort of like wine and you wait for it. And then they become important later when people realize like, wow, Eminem wasn't just a crazy white boy from Detroit. Like what a technical, like expert genius who, you know, pivoted and created a whole lane of other artists to explore. Like it, it is, it, it is a deep uh, way to look at it because they do have to age. And in the moment you, know you have something special and you have to believe and have faith that what you're called to do is important mm. when you are dialed into mm. your artistic process, you know? So, but I do think over time, you know, people now are coming out of the woodworks like, Hey man, you think I could buy that Jay-Z print or, Oh my God, you know, like, and, and also sadly, and, and we should mention that when artists pass away, like, you know, I'm in LA and I can't help but think about Nipsey Hussle, who's a friend of mine, mm. you know, um, and not deep relationships for a long time, but like we had a meaningful bond and connection, you know, creatively. And uh, to drive around LA and to, right. you know, in Inglewood and think about him is like, oh wow, they, the images become more special, but also like they stand now as, as memories for people. Mm -hmm. Anybody that ever had a moment with him, you know, or the people that were around him, like, wow, you captured the picture of Nip smiling. That was the Nip that I knew. You know, right. like, so like it, it I recognize is, him in the photography almost. Yeah, 
So like that's a special, a special year that you didn't know that was going to age in the way that it did to create a beautiful, round, bountiful <laughs> sort of, you know, I don't know if they make blue wines, but he would be a blue wine. I mean, I, I guess let's put him in. He's definitely not a red wine, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Something a little yeah. stronger. Good for the soul. Uh, no, yeah. and, and, and He's bubbling, man. Let's, let's make him champagne. Exactly. Blue champagne. He's <laughs> like the stars. That's what they say, right? And, and yeah. to that point, did your family think you were crazy? <laughs> like, do they think, what are you doing running around these clubs, chasing off to these rappers? Or was it like, you know, at the time, obviously now it is what yeah. it is. But at the time, was it, did you have to fight with your, because a lot of creatives coming up now, their parents or family members don't really understand their love for the art and the passion they have. And just curious, like, did you think, did, did, yeah. did you have that kind of dynamic with, with the people you knew and loved? It was never a fight for me. My parents are the most brilliant, two beautiful, creative souls on, on earth. Um, my mother's from London, from Surrey, Kingston, Surrey. So there's a UK connect. Um, Love that. Big up all UK massive in it. Mannion's home, mate. Um, and then my dad's from Brooklyn. So it's like the refinements of, you know, the silver jubilee that I was present when the silver double-deckers were driving around and, you know, spending time in Hounslow where I had family, like, you know, my Nana and granddad were there. And then on the up opposite side, you know, coming to New York in the cocaine 80s and seeing my dad hang out with his painter friends and like, that you know, it was like cars and limousines. And it was like, it's such a beautiful balance, I think, for me um, to have, like, just, mm -hmm as far as cultural understanding, you know, and then grew up in the Midwest. So I grew up really simple and kind of slow living, but able to process it, but not of the Midwest, you know, like it was safe and beautiful, but both of my parents were artists. So, and painters, you know, so it was sort of like, cool, you want to do art, go for it. You know, it wasn't like, you should get a good job at a bank, man. <laughs> like, it was uh it was cool it was it was welcomed and and i think the biggest um understanding that they had was my my privilege of working with with avidon wow. they're like oh okay we know his stuff we know how important he was in, as an artist mm -hmm. you know here is the smallest little tadpole growing into the size of this massive pool which is oh, well. the tadpole. Right. <laughs> you know and then you grew fast and you learned quick and you know, and then applied it to what I loved, which was hip hop. So, you know, I don't, I think I loved it so much that I, I wasn't able to be swayed from it, even if they decided it wasn't a good plan for me. They were like, wait, why, why are you not working for Avedon and fighting to stay there? I was like, yeah, I spent a year. That was my commitment. Oh, they we wanted you to go back. That's great. And I'm out. And then I worked with other great people, Michael Hallspan, Ben Watts, um, Stephen Klein, you know, so that was sort of like getting a PhD in photography that then I was able to technically take and apply to my work, you know, sort of these fashion sensibilities applied to kind of hip hop, where I don't, I don't think there was, there was deep storytelling happening. Certainly there were exceptions, you know, great voices, you know, solid, solid shooters that were telling stories, but I don't know, I think I went a little deeper, you know, I tried to anyway. I mean, you definitely did. And what a rich cultural tapestry to be left with, I think. Kind of getting all those different yeah. influences and, and, and being able to trans at all times, you're kind of translating the world and through your lens, uh, metaphorically and actually, which is, which is so beautiful. Uh -huh. 
Um, well, I, in New York, too, was a huge character. I mean, you know, New York was a, I mean, the setting of a story is, is a character unto itself. And New York just was the gift that kept on giving, man. And I love New York. It is not a ghost town. <laughs> there are some boards up. There is some business suffering in this moment. But, you know, New York is going to come back as it always does. Absolutely. It's going to take and come back even more roaring and thriving as ever before. So, of it. It's a great, uh, it's a great artistic moment, I think, in New York, because people mm -hmm. have a lot to say. And they're well, they're thinking gonna, about what's it. They're left out when the scissors are, as soon as you leave the dogs out the cages, they're gonna go go for it. Absolutely, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so I'm gonna put you a little on the spot here and ask of all of your. Movies, I'm never on the spot. Okay, good. We're gonna see. I'm always on the spot. I never, oh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> of all of your moments that you've created or had a hand in creating, which would you like to relive the most? Because there's just mm. so many. And for me, I'm thinking back to like the 90s and the 80s and the kind of that space, but let me not speak for you. What would you Oh, like throughout time, you mean? Like, of, is, of, is this a question of which shoot would I like to go back to? What moment in time? Because I go back to the beginning and do it all again, you know, with an understanding of where I was going to end up. Not that it might change, but, you know, doing Jay-Z Reasonable Doubt was such a gift. DMX in the blood, Eminem in Amsterdam, you know, Aaliyah, you know, Pick one. Spending that moment with like a to total angel sweetheart. You know, like those are all individual moments uh, that I would do again, maybe, and just finesse or polish, or I wish I had one extra shot of this, of that, then it would be even better. You know, it was what it was, and you have to accept when it's done, it's done. Mm. Um, but as far as a moment in time, um, you know, I, I love the 80s, you know what I mean? Like, I love New York, gritty New York, okay. when things were like a little raw that, I don't know, you know, it's like, I think people always go to the sources of, of their own inspiration, you know, mm -hmm. spending time in, in Jamaica with Bob Marley, like, he's the one that I felt like I, I would have, I would have had some good times with, you know, like, spending time in Jamaica, in Kingston, and documenting somebody mm -hmm. who, would ultimately change the world you know to have had a photo of him and spent moments with him perspective and exchanges I think would have been brilliant so I don't know whether I totally answered it but you know there's so many moments in time that I would love you know like back to the you know the mods uh, in the UK and you know the style the style of some of these you know these incredible souls in the punk rock scene would have been phenomenal because they just really didn't care like truly didn't care like this is our expression we can't afford nice stuff so we're going to pin it together with clothespins that then become the inspiration for many seasons in the fashion you know sort of upper echelon of the fashion world like you know many years later you know so i don't know it's just too many it's cool yeah it's there's so many places i would go but you know beautiful I mean, you know, fella in Africa, you know what I mean? Like, uh, talk about another, like, you know, inspired souls making music that, I don't know, I, I guess I go to the purity of experience. Uh, you know, I, I come back to that word, but I, but I think that there's something that rings right about that. Um, you know, that when people are doing what they're meant to be doing, and you know it, and you can witness it, and you can see it, and you can feel it, and taste it, and smell it, like, that's... That's really, those are the people that I want to be around. And they are coming still. Like I, I look at like Kendrick Lamar or Drake or, you know, people that are just like, yo, this is my path and watch me. 
I'm like, get out of my way. I don't really See what care I what do. you think but like, yo, I'm going this way and you're welcome to come and you're welcome to witness it, but I'm still going to go whether you believe in it or not, or whether you hate me or not, sure. you know? And, and I think artists kind of have to have that thick skin. Mm, Otherwise they'll awesome. distract it and they'll miss the mark. And, and I think that's why it's, you know, I, I appreciate and respect and admire and lift high all of the true artists that are chasing their dreams in any discipline. You know, it is not easy to be an artist, you know, to be a musician, you are pouring your voice and your heart and your lyrics and your soul and what you dream about and think about on, on wax, on CDs, on tapes, on cassettes, digitally given to the world, like, and then saying like, here it is, like, like it, please. <laughs> okay, Justin, what do you think? What do you think? Or not, or maybe, you know, artists throw their work on the wall, like, hey, that's me. This is... My and soul. people might hate it. People yeah. might love it. And that's ultimately okay. Mm-hmm. You know, opinions, everybody's going to have them. It doesn't matter, absolutely. You gotta just but does it opinion. mean something to you and does it mean something to others in general? One person, a hundred people, a hundred thousand people. Like, mm-hmm. is the work still, does it ring true to you and have you moved the needle, you know, sort of in the world to make something more beautiful or to show somebody in a really authentic and meaningful way? You know, and I think all of those people are the ones that I admire and want to be around. And you've done just that, which is incredible. We are speaking to Jonathan Mannon. You're listening to The Beat London, 103.6 FM. Don't go anywhere. We have more incredible conversation for you right after the break. You are listening to The Beat London, 103.6 FM with me, Bashak, on my show, The Social. We have just been in conversation with acclaimed photographer and curator, Jonathan Mannon. How are you doing, sir? I'm still very good. I'm excited for the second half of play. Uh, So we actually met at Jealous Gallery in Shoreditch a few years back. I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. And you you had an exhibition celebrating 20 years of reasonable doubt. Obviously, that is one of the most iconic images of Jay-Z to date. Um, But what I would like to know, if possible, is more about the Volume 1 and Volume 2 covers, because they're equally brilliant in their own rights, and I really don't feel like they're spoken of as much. So if there's any stories about that you could tell us, it'd be beautiful in terms of the concepts or how how the concepts came together, what the weather was like that day, how was Jay's mood, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. What you had for lunch? Give us stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we had peanut butter sandwiches at the craft table. No, I don't remember what we ate. You know, it's funny. I often don't eat when I'm working. I'm so in it and in the moment that I forget to eat. You know, it's just sort of, let's keep going. Let's get more stuff. Let's get more stuff. Let's chip away. Here's my list. Here's my desires. Here's what I want to give this person, you know, because it, it does come to that. Like, you know, what can I give of myself to this person and this moment? You know, and I think that that's really important to be selfless as you create. Like, I know the pictures will ultimately be mine. I'm along for the ride. I get to look at them, show, you know, showcase them as examples of my work to the world. But it's ultimately like, how good of a job are you doing for this person, for this project? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to keep that in mind as a creative that that I it is it's still like a service business in some ways you know yeah, right? because you, but you get to 
kind of creatively within that space of being of service to somebody and someone else's vision, you still get to explore and thrive and really um, give of yourself. And, you know, and I think that that creative direction is where you get to really soar, you know, within that dynamic. Um, uh, so Reasonable Doubt was um, an amazing project. And, and actually the work that I did in Shortish is some of my favorite that I've ever done. I, so instead of just purely keeping these as individual um, prints and pure photography, like sort of printed on fiber paper in a dark room, I wanted to do printmaking. I wanted to sort of get my, my Andy Warhol on and do repetition and just really feel out the process, which I'd never done. And because I was so excited with what Jealous allowed me to do, um, Dario and his entire team, you know, was um, was really give something special and a fresh look at that work. And we we couldn't help. We weren't going to we were going to wait for it to dry, roll it up, ship it back to New York, where I did a big um, show at the Marlboro Gallery in Chelsea, um, which was phenomenal probably one of the greatest nights of of my career to be celebrated in that way and to celebrate jay in that way but humbly what we gave to the uk in shortage that night was a spontaneous three-hour turnaround of like sharing work in its raw and pure form um to anybody who was in earshot really you know and it we rammed out that small gallery and yeah, yeah. and the vibes really carry through to today i mean that was as special to me as the as the main event if you will um when i look back at what reasonable doubt was it was sort of still jay-z i never wanted to take him away from being himself in that moment so it was really about style new york style mobster style john Gotti, you know Ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars suits, you know, and but how you put it together versus sort of like brand name, these brand logos or Versace linen, and you know everything that was kind of happening in this moment. I wanted to take it to style, classic, timeless, forever, never-ending style, good style, you know. So they showed up in these fifteen thousand dollars suits, and you know the rest is history. But it was still Jay at the most polished, polished level and establishing his footprints in New York and what New York style is. It's big business, it's family, sort of these mob ties, like family first. And I think that's what that whole project was really about and influenced by, you know, and, and what the, much of the music game sort of emulates themselves on. This is this family clicks, boom, and then we put out the work and then we come back and we're still family. Like there's something cool about that. I wanted to then go to the foundation of what made Jay-Z, Jay-Z, you know, Sean Carter, Sean Carter growing up. So it was like, let's go to Marcy. That's where I want to do this next one because I want that story. I want, where did you start? Why are you you? What did you experience? What took you there? How did you feel getting there? Like, and I think that's what the project was about as well. So being in Brooklyn at the Marcy Projects and being able to see his apartment and the stairwell and that, that's what that project was, was, you know, where did it start? Tell me the story. Like, you know, like before I became Jay-Z, this, you know, sort of like style, you know, sort of 96 reasonable doubt guy, I got to take you back and tell you about where I was as a young Jay-Z, eight-year-old Jay-Z. What did I see? What did I feel? So it was the storytelling that related to that for volume one that, you know, covered a lot of ground, but it was rooted in Brooklyn, but the growth 
Um, for me, volume two was about the ability to still go back to Marcy, right? That you, ha you don't leave the hood. You bring the hood with you in some ways, right? And you can't bring everybody from the hood, you know, because people you know, are jealous or you grow faster than them and there's certain people that get cut and they show themselves and then you know where to put them, right? But this to me was about, I'm not leaving, but I'm, I'm coming back to show you an example of what um, success can look like for you. And if I can do it, you can do it. And that was sort of That's my mental cool. foundation for volume two. But you go back with bigger stuff. You're still you. You're not sort of downplaying it and playing humble. And I'm just in a white t-shirt and some jean shorts. Like he I'm went back and yeah, yeah, yeah. wearing the, the Rockaware suit, a company that he owned that, you know, made 40 million in the first year or whatever the numbers are, yeah. you know, in a, in a brand new, newly purchased Rolls Royce, you know, drop Bentley coupe, whatever it was, you know, and uh, of which there were two in the world. Jay-Z Jay had a, dark blue one and puff had a light blue one and it was just this battle of like right. ogs that were emerging these young these young incredible voices so you know that's really what those two projects were about and for me some of the most exciting stuff because it really did plant his feet in a different way and make him um his own version of a storyteller which he is a, a brilliant um you know obviously goes without saying lyrically like he he's the one you know, like for me, and I think for it, it's a pretty heavy argument, you know, for those that are in the know and mm. whose opinion I value, you know, he's he's he really is the blueprint for it all. It really is. And to that point, then, um, he is such a concept player, you know, as are you. How is that dynamic when you're building something, not only with him, but let's use him as an example. Uh, how do you go ahead and, you know, build these concepts? while protecting your own vision? Because you are the photographer, it needs to come through you. Um, how flexible or malleable are you with it? Are you, do you say, no, sometimes this is just, you just trust me, this is a vision, you gotta just leave it? Or how much input do you allow from the artist? And I say allow because you are the vessel in my mind. How does mm. that work? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, certainly in some ways it comes through me, but at the same time, you know, to go back to the service point, it's like, I'm, I'm of service to your vision. Sure. There's certain people that don't have the vision visually. Sure. They have it, you know, lyrically, and they, you know, literally the game before we shot uh, the documentary, his first um, project, mm -hmm. he's like, look, I don't want you in the booth telling me how to do my thing, so I'm not going to come in your booth which is, you know, your, what you do. You just tell me, I trust you. I've chosen you for a reason. And here's what I want to do. I want to pay homage to everybody that kicked down the door so I could walk through a little more easily, yeah. you know, go, you know? And so then you just heap the pressure on your own shoulders to say, okay, I got to really rise to the occasion. He said that easy E was meaningful to him. So I'm going to do a shot in the swap meet of him. And I'm going to ask for some custom Chuck Taylors with right. easy E's image on the side that he already had made that, you know what I mean? Like little discussions of, okay, well, where are you going? Can we go? Like I, I went a day early for free to his, his block because I didn't want the label to tell me what to do. You know, we, we went there in Compton and he was like, you know, you're the first white boy on my block ever, except for the mailman. I was like, I'm the first white boy on everybody's block except the mailman. <laughs> like, that's why I'm called. It's like, because I, I want to get in there and I want to understand. I don't know, I sort of, 
what makes you tick to yeah. do a good job for you. But without well. the like, okay, we have to protect the, the label because right. they're, you know, like, uh, you know, there's a couple women from the office that are coming. We got to make sure they're safe and they have somewhere nice to sit. And, you know, the gentleman and stuff like walking around, like he might be a little uncomfortable because he's more of a corporate guy. Like, this you know, there's all these other considerations. I'm, like, I'm coming, I'm showing up. Where should I go? Send me the address. I'll be there. You know, he's like, yo, da da da, Brazil. I was like, he's like, you know where that is? I was like, of course. I shot DJ Quick across the street many years before. All right, I'll see you soon. You know, he's like, who's this crazy human being that's coming to make these pictures? But they were the most important pictures that we took of the project. You know, so, you know, I think that um, these kind of moments, I don't know. I I sort of lost the root of the question, but. uh, Give it to me one more time. The question was, how do you protect your concepts? Given oh, my vision. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah but, but really great tangent. I was enjoying hearing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I walk in with many game plans. Sure. You know, like if it goes perfectly, then A, B, C, D, E, F, G happens. And then you get the bonus of H, I, J. And like, cool. You know, those are the shot lists, you know. But oftentimes you walk in and try and explain to an artist like, hey, let me run through the day with you. I have this shot that I'm gonna do really simply. It's kind of a warm up, and then we'll move here and then we'll get in the van and we'll go do the shot with the car at the racetrack and then something and then the elephant will come in and you know, we'll sh- shoot you on the back of the elephant. You know, whatever it's gonna be. Whatever the formation is. But like, ah, you know, the elephant doesn't really, you know, I'm more of a, a camel guy and, you know, in the desert, can we do the camel instead of the elephant? You know, like, so there's, there's all these pivots. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's, that's allowed me, um, you know, to, to be me and remain me is the ability to kind of adapt to any situation. You can't really throw me in a situation where I'm like, handle yourself because technically I know how to get there. And I think once you have the technical, you know, people always ask what's the most important thing in taking pictures, Mm -hmm. like your technical understanding, right? And then your connection to the moment. But without the technical understanding being unconscious, you can't really connect to the moment because you're worried about what your camera's set at. Or doing, right. You know, so in order to be, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. So in order to be present, you have to kind of have that ability, but. I'm not, it's not about me in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? It's, it is my vision and ultimately where I land, but you know, you do have to constantly ask questions like, Hey, am I doing okay? Like, is this cool? Is this what you want? Do you love this? Like you get excited and you make sure that they're along for the ride. And most of the times I, I get them with like one Polaroid, you know, like, yo, this is sort of what I'm seeing. And they're like, Oh, dude, I've never, this is crazy. This is like made it real. Like, no, this polar, this is the one, this is the thing. And the people get hyped. Um, and that's when there was no digital. Right. You know, that's sort of like with Polaroids, sure. you know, and you dial people in because they're like, okay, this is happening. This project is now taking full shape, you know? Um, and then and then there's other times they're like, mm, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but I don't know, man. Yeah, okay, well, we'll get there. We'll keep going. And then, you know, at the end of day three of shooting somebody, it's like, I just want to shoot with a car. I was like, why don't you say that at the beginning? We could go get the frigging car, man. <laughs> get the car, get all the cars, bring all the cars. Bring the cars you know? to the shoot. You and then he gets on the car and he's happy. Like, okay, cool. So like, you know, there are, there are some people that don't communicate and there's some people that don't care about the visuals and they have to do it because they're just about the music. And there's certain people who 
you know, care immensely about the images and they want to collaborate with you at every step. Somebody like Eminem, you know, had a very clear vision of, you know, I mean, for example, the, uh, the Eminem show. He's like, I want to be on stage and I want to be dressed and ready and the curtains are opening, but I'm not prepared to come out. I'm sitting in the back on the ground. Like, okay, now interpret that. Go. Uh, and that it's image like, oh, wow, came to my okay, mind cool. straight away. The curtains are there and you're in the suit and you're on some sort of risers in the back and the microphone's in the front and you're testing to see whether it works. Like these are all the little, like how do, we, how do I get you there? Mm. And then that's where my vision comes in and 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 obviously it's always a collaborative process like i can't do it without the artists in front of me believing that they've made the right choice of having me there but i also communicate really well to try and get us both there to the to the finish line wow it's amazing and what a huge responsibility to have on your shoulders that you execute so well every single time because they come back for more you know you spoke of long-standing relationships and, and those happen because you know your stuff but you actually connect the audience with the, the division which is incredible really really cool what living legend would you want to capture because i know you've said tupac is one that you really wanted to round out your collection who would you mm. want living that is not yet graced uh, jonathan's land yeah. who would you want in your mind comes to yeah mind? i certainly you know you know there's a moment that I understood that I could get kind of complete coverage of, of it. And I really chased it. You know what I mean? It wasn't exactly like collecting baseball cards or like <laughs> football trading cards as we're talking to the UK, but you know, it's uh, there was a moment like, wow, I really want to spend time and I want to know the, the depth of it. I want to know the loonies and E40 and what does it feel like over there, you know, and then here and then Chicago and let's go down and spend time with Uncle Luke in Florida and what's chameleon air like and now let's go, you know, back to New York. So the completeness, I guess, of the coverage is exciting to me. And, and certainly I will acknowledge that Tupac is a, you know, a, a big loss to the world. I mean, hardly to me, but I, I know that well, for sure. For me too, yeah. I mean, as far as like saying like I really have, you know, sort of if I claim to have defined at some level what this last 25 years looked like of music, mm. um, you know, he is he is a a loss that I that I feel, you know, like who would I wished to have spent time with. But I think more um more meaningful, I guess, to this was speaking and photographing of Fanny Shakur, his mom. He said you know, she said to me, my son would have loved you, you know, and like to have had that kind of, that's almost enough for me, like to say, cool, maybe he's one of the angels that is watching out because he knows that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and holding people high. And it's not give to me, look at me, look at me. It's like, it's about you. And I show you a mirror, right? Like yeah so you know maybe he's tupac is my guardian angel <laughs> um that's a quote. i think that's a good uh that's a good quote that's a great yeah that's a good quote i'll take that Pox washing out. but uh you know that that was a really really important kind of day and and the pictures that i did of his mom i think was a gift from me to him you know and i think can stand as a nice representation of who he was you know in some ways but I, I do feel that loss. Um, and I think, you know, anybody that's been taken too soon, I mean, I'm certainly within my body of work, those artists, Left Eye, Big Pun, Biggie, you know, to the more obscure, like camouflage from the South, like, you know, like people that, um, 
that are called home, you know, early. Uh, I think that those, it, those images are, are truly important in my collection, I think, to remember and to have a beautiful version that people can remember them in the, in the best regards, you know, no matter who they were. They live forever through your images. That's truly being immortalized, which is crazy. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, that there is this, you can look back and you want to know what Biggie sort of felt like. Yo, that's him on stage at the Palladium in 95, like super cool. Um, so it's nice to, to kind of have those to be able to give, to show the world so that the, they're not lost, you know, they're not just forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, spending time, I mean, there's a million people that I want to spend time with <laughs> that, I, that I really admire and love. And Sade, I, and I say it everything because it's going to happen soon. But to photograph well, Sade. Sade, where you at, girl? <laughs> I don't know. She might be in the UK. So, yeah, if somebody could make the, the call. The right now. Anybody out there, please make it happen. Connect the dots with this. Yeah, I might have to call Drake for that. I think he's friends with her. So. He's got some pictures of her somewhere. Uh, so the show is called The Social. Uh, mm -hmm. What is your drink of choice? Mm, interesting. Um, well, I had a I had a partnership with Moet for a year, um, and I had a, a limited edition bottle of Nectar Imperial Rosé that was all rose gold that I was pretty excited about, and we had a really really phenomenal run. So, you know, in that category, you know, champagne. Shout out them. You have achieved so much genuine passion for your craft, and it shows. What is the next mission for you and where can we find you on the socials? Mm. So I'm Jonathan Mannion on everything. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-A-N-N-I-O-N. Uh, Instagram, I'm, I'm most active because I find it's a, just a really good way to share an image mm -hmm. and then tell the story. Mm -hmm. um, and that right now is exactly what I'm doing for the world um, is sharing the images and then telling the story, but in the form of a book. I've not done a single sort of Jonathan Mannion only book that really shows a unique um, vision. So, you know, I, you've seen the work and you've seen it in books and, you know, there's something that I have the lion's share of and some that I just contributed to, um, to stand with photographers that I love and admire that are on this crazy journey that are very similar. Like we <laughs> endure a lot of the same craziness you know photographers you know that it's 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 tough to navigate the water sometime but um that's uh you know so wanting to stand with them is a reason that i kind of contribute to almost anything that we're all doing collectively we all talk and uh, and i think that that really is important to acknowledge there is a strong community of photographers that are operating with a sense of integrity and values that you know we're trying to carry forward in a meaningful way um, but it, it's book time, you know, you know, people come up to me and they say, what was it like to get DMX in the blood? Tell me that story, you know? So like, it's time to tell the stories. And I think that, you know, by creating a collective, here's, here's 27 now years of work, pretty much, you know, of the best of the best. And not everybody's going to make the first, first volume, but there will be more after that, but it's storytelling now. It's time to kind of give it back to say, look at what we did. Wow. Now look at what I did. Like certainly again, I'm along for the ride, but collectively look at what we brought from nothing to something, you know, or from everything 
to acknowledgement by everyone, you know, probably better stated. Yeah. And look at what you birthed because of it. Again? And look at what you've birthed because of it. You know, look at what's come out of yeah, it. Yeah, well, an important body of work for sure. But, but again, it, it's, uh, I'm grateful to have had the opportunities that I've had. I'm, I'm really, really grateful, you know, and, and I think that that's, you know, sort of one of those three terms that I probably should have said is, is, is that because yeah. it's, but, this, but it deserves its own category. You know, that was to describe me, but, but grateful is, is certainly one of it for the opportunities, for the belief in the vision, um, for anybody that said, yo, Mannion's right for this. Let's get him. Or Mannion would get it done. Like give, give that job to them, send him into the trenches. Cause he'll, he'll make it happen. So oh, it's, it's amazing. Wow. Jonathan, you said that you wanted to be remembered as one of the best to ever do it. You are absolutely all of that and so much more. Thank you very much for speaking with us. It has been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been a total pleasure. And thank you and big up to all of the UK. You might see me sooner than you know. <laughs>